Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Joe, and here are my two co-hosts. I'm Lindsay Baroker. And I'm Andrea Pearson. And today we're going to talk about the various tools, software, tech, etc. that we use in our day-to-day author lives to make things more efficient. But before we get started with that, how about we go over some news? All right. And uh, for those who don't know, Joe is super excited because he has like 50,000 cool tools to talk about. So I got a lot to say. We made him and do the intro today. This is going to be his show, but um, I will start out blabbing. Uh, not really news, but I just thought, came across something interesting that I would thought I would share. I've been helping a friend set up her uh, YouTube channel. She does ADHD coaching. So I've been reading about ADHD. And um, actually, this was a video I stumbled across on motivation, which... <laughs> It was, it was on a channel called How to ADHD, and I'll, I'll link to the video in the show notes. But uh, it really hit home for me with uh, my email admin days that are always a slog. And I thought it might be useful for you guys, too, uh, whether you have ADHD tendencies or not. I, I feel like everybody's going to be on the spectrum a little bit somewhere. Um, but she, she started out saying, like, ADHD brains tend to have trouble with tasks that are lengthy, repetitive, or boring. Things that are more easily, easily accomplished are urgent, newer novel, or of personal interest, i.e. things that are stimulating or engaging to our brains. And I absolutely see this with me in email. I can motivate myself to answer the stuff that's urgent, like I really have to get back to that person, but I struggle with the rest because at this point, I know there's nothing in there that's new or novel and nothing more interesting than my current work and project work in progress, whip, whatever the term is, you guys all know, the manuscript. Um, but she did have some tips for those that are struggling with some things like this uh, yourself. Uh, first one is make something urgent. Artificial deadlines might or might not work. Um, for me with writing, having a date with my editor is perfect because I, if somebody else I'm accountable to, I'm going to get something done. Uh, and, and she also mentioned that accountability can help. Ideally, shame-free accountability. Maybe you have a partner that you check in with once a week. Um, and I would say that when, because I struggled with my first novel, I've talked about that before. It took seven years to finish. But when I was in a writing workshop, there was kind of a, a hint of accountability partners. Like other people were posting their chapters regularly and they would kind of ask you like, Hey, are you going to do a new chapter? And I found that super motivating. Uh, another thing she recommended is setting timers, which can create urgency. So set a timer and see how much you can get done before it goes off. Uh, those of you that have done that write or die software are probably familiar with this, where if you don't keep writing after a while, there's a level that starts deleting your words. That would be the extreme example, but um, maybe just a timer can help. Uh, also, if you can make it newer novel, and I'm honestly not sure how to do this with email, but the video mentioned that gamification can make repetitive tasks more appealing. Also, if you can try to make something personally interesting, uh, you know, it's always going to be easier to finish the book you want to write rather than the one you think you should write. I, I'm again, not sure how I'm going to make email more personally interesting, which is weird because it's all addressed to me. You think it should be interesting, but I've seen it all at this point. So it's just nothing new is going to be in that box. It just work. Um, and the last thing she recommended was rewards. She said can be uh, especially motivating for ADHD, ADHD brains. Um, possibly for all of us far off rewards may not work so well. So try near future stuff, you know, like, I mean, I honestly do this just with like, once I finish 2000 words, I get to take a break, you know, go outside in the sun or, you know, screw around for 15 minutes on my phone, whatever. So do you guys have any thoughts on that before I I'll pass Andrea is going to do her news next. 
Um, I, this makes a lot of sense. And there's little things in there that like I have been doing for a while and didn't think that it was a thing that you do. Uh, I will say that oddly enough, like the repetitive stuff is actually a break for me sometimes. Like if I'm slogging through 3000 words and then I'm like, uh, oh, let me do my email. I can do an email in like four minutes. It's so much faster than 3000 words. So I'll be like, look at how productive I'm being. So occasionally that, that happens for me, but also, uh, I, I should say the little rewards sometimes are entirely fictional because I have like to-do lists and I'm like, Ooh, I get to I get to cross out something on my to-do list. So that's little things that help me in that regard too. Do you make like little three extra lines through it and, you know, make an event? <laughs> it depends. It depends on what's on the list. Cause occasionally I'll have a thing like, uh, you know, exercise for five minutes will occasionally be a thing on my list. And I'll like put extra lines through it every time I do an extra one. So I'm like, look how, look how completely crushed out that was. I did a half hour today. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Andrea, if you want to comment and then go ahead and with your news, I was just going to say, um, I kind of talk about something that you mentioned, um, in my news, but yeah, I do, I do to to do lists and I'm kind of like, Joe, I'm like, look, I got something. I put something on my to do list just so I can cross it off after I've already done it. Um, backwards meaning, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, to do lists are great. And I really like these suggestions. I mean, it's geared to people with ADHD, but for people who don't have ADHD, I think that, I mean, there's a lot in there that you can actually, you can glean. I mean, there's a lot of awesome stuff in that. Um, but, um, I don't know. So, um, in my news, um, I finally did the unthinkable and this is something that was really, really hard for me to decide to do. There was a lot of shame. There was a lot of embarrassment. Um, I finally canceled my, the last two pre-orders for the remaining books in the series, the pre-orders for the last two books in my series. Um, I'd gone back and forth multiple times on whether or not I should do it mainly because I mean, if, if things were normal, I could get those books done in three weeks. And I've done that before written, edited all of that in three weeks, but things are not normal. I mean, I'm having health problems and all my doctor appointments, like, I don't know about you guys, but doctor appointments, like the lead up to them, the doctor appointment, the, how angry I was after my last one. Oh my gosh. I was so mad. I, it threw me for the whole day. And so, um, and so I'm like, I've just been having days where my effectivity my is that, is that a word? <laughs> No, but people are nodding along and, and they know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> where where that goes down because I've been so distracted by health problems or by things going on with the kid. I mean, our baby right now is teething. He's he's getting his molars in. And that is like the worst thing in the world because it takes six months and they'll break through and then they'll heal over and then they have to break through again. And it's just, it's been really awful. Um, but if it weren't for, I mean, I can write books while I'm dealing with kids and I've done that before, but if it weren't for my health problems, you know, I just, I'm just can't, I can't handle things right now. And so I'm still working on those books, but it's just at a much slower pace and it's at my pace basically where I'm not, I'm not, panicking and stuff. Lindsay says she went through that with Willow teething. Yeah. Teething's not fun. Even for it's dogs. It's almost the same thing. Dogs are just like kids, right? Except I think she went through it faster, but she destroyed a lot. I don't know how much of the house your son is destroyed. <laughs> Carry on. I'm sorry. I interrupted he's, he's not destroying very much of the house. Luckily his teeth are too small and they're not sharp enough. He destroys us instead. So he gnaws on us and he's got this weird habit where he'll chew on his forearm. And I'm like, dude, stop it. Um, um, anyway, yeah, so I've just been dealing with, um, I mean, it's going at my own pace, which is kind of what we're supposed to do anyway, while I'm, you know, 
it's allowed me to take a step back and say, Hey, my business has been falling apart in other areas, not just in, in releasing books. And I've, I'm still writing and not writing. I'm still editing regularly, but I'm also focusing on making sure my newsletter list is fine and doing all sorts of things. Um, anyway, but something that was, that's been on my mind a lot lately. I mean, I mentioned shame and, and Lindsay brought it up just, just now, you know, um, finding ways to stay motivated and to continue working without adding guilt or shame to the mix. So I, and like I said, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I shouldn't feel ashamed that I've put taking care of myself and my family over my books. I mean, I really shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't feel ashamed that I'm not as productive now as I have been in the past. And that's something that, I mean, we, we, I mean, as authors, we're under so much pressure to constantly, constantly, constantly be creating and writing. Like it's, and, and the, people say all the time, write every day, or if you're not writing every day, you're not a writer. And I'm going to call complete and absolute BS and, and not using the actual words because we're a family friendly podcast. <laughs> um, I'm going to call complete BS on anyone who says or actually believes that. Uh, and Okay. Sorry. I'm trying not. Ah. Anyway, no one who knows me would dare tell me I'm not a writer um, because I've got a backlist that would slap them across the face if they did. Right. Um, and I just, I don't write every day and I've never been able to write every day. And a lot of it is because of the seasons of life that I'm in. So, and, and it just, there are seasons, there are times in life where writing every single day is impossible and unimportant. And I know that's blasphemous. I don't know. Joe and Lindsay are like, ah, <laughs> Well, you know, some people take maternity leave, you know, it is a thing, like you're doing a lot. I mean, I, I know this is not the therapy show, but you certainly shouldn't feel like there's anything wrong with taking a break. Yeah. My baby's 15 months old. I don't know anyone who gets a 15 month maternity leave. <laughs> yeah, but you've got health problems and how many more kids are there at the house with you? There's, there's All a in the house right now. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, so I've been, I've been just like, this is my season in life. And, and there are people like me who don't or can't write every day. And that's totally fine. But in my whole, this whole processing of everything I've come to, there's two thoughts on that. First off, it is not shameful to write in spurts. It's not shameful to be a project oriented person like me. Like I do one whole book. I write it, edit, get it revised, published, and then I move on to the next book. And I very rarely mix books back and forth. What I, I mean, I'll sometimes be brainstorming the next book while the current book's getting edited by my editor, but I very rarely mix them around and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and also the other thought on that though, is we're not going to be as productive as people who do write every single day because that whole, you know, the tortoise and the hare, you know, I mean the hare, is what I am. I'm a hare when it comes to, I'm a hare <laughs> when it comes to writing. That, sound, that sounded weird. Turtles, the people who write every single day are the ones who are going to be, who are going to be more productive. Um, and we need to fully examine that. Those of us who write the way I do, we need to internalize it. We need to process it and we have to ultimately be okay with it or we have to change because we can't, you can't expect to be super productive if you're not doing it every single day. Um, but, and there's nothing wrong with not doing it every single day. Like I said, it's not shameful to write in spurts. It's not shameful to put other things first. Um, anyway, so it was really, really funny. I'm not funny. It was ironic because like a month ago or two ago or something like that, I don't remember when we had, um, Okay. So we had it, somebody ask a question on the podcast and I go back and listen to our old episodes occasionally just to see if there's something we mentioned that we were like, we'll do an episode on this in the future. Um, but somebody said, what is your trigger? You know, what, what is your end point? And when we answered that question, I was nowhere near 
quitting or at all, anything like that. But when I listened to that episode a month ago, I was at that point where I was like, I was actually contemplating and seriously contemplating quitting, like taking a break for a couple of years. And, um, I just, I I weighed that over my mind. I chased all the rabbits and everything and all to all the different outcomes and situations where like, how would I feel if I did that? How would it feel to tell people I've taken a break? And that's something that I have, you have to consider. Like, you know, if you, if you do a podcast about being a successful six figure author and you quit writing, you know, what, how does that, how, you know, how do you have to handle that? Like, how do you go, what do you do with that? And ultimately I decide not to quit writing because I already know I'm happiest when I'm working on my stories regularly. I already know, um, my life without books is not a good life. I'm not a good mom when I'm not working on my stories in some way. Like, I mean, I'll, you, you get burned out or you have something going on and the stories fade, but then they come back and it's just, they just want to come out so bad. They like, they die. They, they kill to be released. And, and I know if I'm not doing that, that I get super snippy and super impatient and just cranky and grouchy. And anyway, but in order to continue writing, I needed to step back on my expectations. So I had to cancel the pre-orders and I had to remove them sh- the shame from it. And I have to say, writing my list and telling them that I canceled the pre-orders was one of the hardest things I've ever done because I'm like, Amazon emails them and says, Hey, this book that you pre-ordered is canceled. They don't tell why. And I know a lot of my readers they get my emails, but they don't always read them every single time. And so they don't necessarily know what's going on in my life. And so I had to tell them, you know, this is why, this is why I've, um, I've had to cancel those pre-orders. Um, and the response has been so overwhelmingly positive. Like people are so much more graceful than we give them credit for. They don't, they don't care, honestly. I mean, they care, they want their stories, but they're like, take care of you first. They're just, they're charitable. They're wonderful. Um, but I've, I'm, I'm, I've removed, I've removed the shame from it. I've recognized that I'm not a failure, that I'm just succeeding in other more important aspects of life. And again, I know that's blasphemy. <laughs> just imagining the faces of some of some people I know who listen to our show, they'd be like, what the heck? Anyway, um, but the reason I'm sharing all this, I hope it's helpful to listeners who are in stressful periods of life. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to slow down. Um, it's okay to not pump books out as quickly as you have in the past. Um, and mainly because a bad month or a bad year or even five years of writing and bad writing and bad royalties does not equate with being a failure. And you can always come back. Um, once this season of life I'm in is, and stress is over when my kids are not so physically demanding and I go back to able to produce and they're taking care of themselves, they're actually physically feeding themselves, you know, putting the spoon in their own mouth, (laughs) then, then I'm able to, I can actually, you know, get back to writing. I can actually be productive. I can actually resurrect everything. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to continue writing and marketing where I'm able to. And, um, Um, so where that's concerned, um, I've created, I've, um, let's see where, let's see, I'm trying to figure out where I am in here. Um, I've created a bunch of lead gen ads. Well, just one lead gen ad. My goal is to have about three or four of them going at once. Um, it's doing really well so far It's 33 cents per lead, which I know other people can get really, really cheaper than that, but it's, it's enough for me. I'm happy with that. And then, like I said, I plan on turning on three or four of them ultimately, because right now, while I am not writing as quickly as I want to be, I'm going to be boosting my newsletter list and boosting my backlist because I've got all these books. I might as well be selling them. Um, and then just a quick update, still no answers to my health problems. I'll, if I ever find an answer to that, I'll, you know, I'll tell you guys, but, um, and then for those of you who are interested in the Meljet side of things, I have run into my first re- my first Ennis related snag with Meljet. So 
when you set up your Facebook lead gen ads, you either transport those lead gen, um, those generate, what are they called? Those leads to your program yourself, or you have a secondary company do it for you. And I usually use Zapier to do it. And for some odd reason, when Zapier was transferring them, um, when anybody new was added to the list or when Zapier was transferring them from Facebook into Meljet, it wasn't triggering the automation sequence. And that's been really, really frustrating. Like I worked over it. I, I, I duplicated, I started a new one and none of them ever got transferred over or none of them ever started the automation sequence. And so what I ended up doing was reaching out to their support team it's been five days. I still haven't heard back. Um, they're located in Paris. I don't know exactly what's going on in Paris. It's a different time zone. Um, and coronavirus really is affecting things still. So I don't know exactly what's going on. It's just very frustrating. But in the meantime, I'm using MailChimp for my automation sequence and then I'm having Zapier. So Zapier is moving them from Facebook to MailChimp. And when they finish the automation sequence, Zapier is moving them to MailChimp. <laughs> it's, it's great. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, Joe, your turn. <laughs> Well, first off, I want to thank you for that sort of thing, because I think lots of people need to hear that someone else is going through what they're going through as well. Uh, like we have a terrible tendency, particularly as writers to assume that we are the only people who are experiencing what we're experiencing. And like, everybody is amazed to discover that they aren't the only one who has imposter syndrome and things like that. So stuff like this is super valuable. Um, but okay, so on the, on the subject of news for me, uh, I got the cover for free wrench six. So free wrench six is now called contaminant six. Uh, it's just the sixth book. I thought it would be good to include that as the part of it, but you wouldn't know that until you read it. Uh, it goes to the editor in two weeks. So now when, unless something goes horribly wrong with the editor and I don't anticipate that I'm probably just going to set the pre-order date within the next week or so. It's going to be about a month from when. I send it to the editor. So late August will be the release date of Free Wrench 6. I'm 12,000 words into Big Sigma 6, which is going to be called Nova Igniter. So I'm almost, I'm almost certain to succeed at the year of six that I said I was going to do. So that's nice. Um, I got various promotional experiments uh, surrounding the book, of the, the book of Deacon 6 that have just ended uh, because Book of Deacon 6 has been out for well over a month now. Uh, and the sales bump that came from all of that is over. So I'm pretty deeply in the danger zone when it comes to, uh, when it comes to earnings. I'm far enough from another release that, that I'm not doing terribly well. And it's funny because the problem with getting really effective ad campaigns going for older books and older series is that the campaigns can be very specific to genre and audience. So even though I was doing pretty good with my Book of Deacon 6 stuff, now that I'm about to ramp up Free Wrench 6, it's going to be an entirely almost from scratch. Like I I can obviously reuse some of the uh, some of the, the ad format stuff, but it's a different genre. It's a different audience, so it's a little disheartening that I'm staring down the barrel of that. But you know, what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, so I'll be I'll be working on that within the next few weeks. Once once it actually goes out to the uh, to the editor and I have a date, I'm going to start doing a similar promotion method as I did this time. I'm going to try to discount the first book a lot and the discount future books slightly less as we go. Well, the first book is already free. So I'm going to do the staggered, the staggered uh, uh, pricing that I did in the past because it seemed to work pretty well. And I think I'm going to try to stack a few more like promo sites on top of it. I didn't do very, ma very many promo sites. I was mostly doing paid ads, uh, like, you know, per click ads. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and like I said, a serious writing mode on book, uh, a big Sigma six. I'm back to a rigid 3000 words a day on days that I am writing. 
Uh, and I'm hoping that once I sort of get into the groove solidly with that, I can kick it up to 5,000 words a day. Because uh, I've been hitting 3,000 pretty easily, but the problem is it's been spurts where I'll do 1,500 words and then get distracted and then do 800 words and then get distracted and then do 400. So I'm hoping I can sort of be more professional. Hence, by the way, trimming the beard. That was that was a sig- to signify my, my, my move into professionalism again. Uh, and I got a nice hunk of shorts for my Patreon, uh, finished up. Uh, and I must be doing something right with those because I sent them to my editor and she was genuinely disappointed that one of them turned out to be a preview chapter and not a full story. Like she got to the end of that chapter was like, how can you end this here? And then when I asked her if she was going to send me an invoice or if she wanted direct payment, she replied that she had forgotten that I was going to be paying her for this. So I, I guess I was, I was making my, my editor happy. So that's good news. And hopefully that means the patrons will like it too. Can I but, comment on your stuff before we jump in here? By all means. I was just going to say with, with you kind of having a hard time uh, getting the series, older series going again, that is kind of exactly the reason why, one of the reasons why I sort of shifted just, just focusing on one series at a time. Because I found that too. If it's by the t- If a series is like a year since the last installment, it's like, it's really had a lot of time to fall off and fall down in the rankings. And you're kind of, you're starting over each time you release a new book with like promoting the first book. It's not that that can't work, but I don't know, just going forward, just a thought. <laughs> I know you did the urban fantasy three books. So it's not like you haven't done some of that, uh, rapid release. And, but, um, I know that's, that's kind of why I got away from that. And I found that when I go back and do a new installment, cause the fans say they want it, it's always like, yeah, it does okay, but I don't know. It just seems a little easier to keep everything rolling along and, and selling well when you're releasing consistently in the same series. So I just wanted to chime in on that in case anybody else is like, we've all struggled with that new installments in the series. It's kind of hasn't had a new installment for quite a while. Yeah, it's absolutely the case. And it's part of the reason why I've been sort of like I, the, the implication at least is that all six of these books are the wrap up for the, for the series. So hopefully I can bring myself to in the future actually do the far more intelligent and far more easy to market thing of keeping a rapid, steady going, uh, series. Although oddly, I haven't planned what that series will be yet. <laughs> I've been so like head down on getting these books wrapped up, but I haven't actually got a, a pipeline going forward more than, you know, the next short stories. Uh, so that's our news. And now we can move on to our main topic. We're going to be talking about the different tools that we use uh, for our actual production of our, uh, of our books and our, uh, the running of our author business. And, uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is writing tools. And I think Andrea, you're up first. Okay. So writing tools. Um, okay. I use, um, word and I know that's again, blasphemy is like my favorite word right now, <laughs> but, um, I tried out Scrivener. It did not work for me. Um, and, um, I just, I'm too anyway. Okay. So I use word and I use dragon and a digital recorder. I don't, I use dragon in the digital recorder for the initial writing, but then when it comes to editing and then of course, writing the climax, like we were complaining about before the beginning of, or before we start recording, like I'll get to the climax while I'm dictating. I'm like, okay, future Andrea gets to take care of that. <laughs> and, um, but, um, I still use a lot of notepads and pens. I'm very analog, analogous. What is the word? I don't know. Um, I just analog works analog kinetic also <laughs> kinetic. Okay. We get all the vocab words in there. 
<laughs> um, yeah. So I use notepads and pens and I just, I love that. Like that's how I do my brainstorming. That's how I do my outline and things like that. Um, and I know I'm not the only one like that. And for those who are like me, uh, I use, um, a galaxy note. Um, if you're watching the video, it's like this phone, right? And it's huge. It's called a phablet. <laughs> it's very huge, but I can use the, I can use the stylus to write. Did that show up? There we go. Now it's showing up. I can actually write on the screen, write before even unlocking the screen. I can sit and I can jot down notes and things like that. And I just, it works really, really good for my, my personality. Um, works really, really good for my, really well for my personality. And, um, and yeah, if there's any phones that are similar to that, I would recommend that it's, it's been invaluable for my writing. And so a lot of my, my outlines and my brainstorming happens on my phone. Like Nolan and I will be going on vacation and I'll be like, Oh, I have an idea. What would you think if I did this? And then I just jot it down on my phone really quickly. And I always have my phone because us modern generation people, like we always have our phones with us. Right. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. So if, if that, any of that is helpful to you, I'm just old fashioned, I guess in that way. <laughs> I am actually similar. Uh, I get uh, started with taking notes for a story always in pen and paper. Uh, I, when I'm walking along, I have uh, a, a waterproof notebook in my back pocket and a, a Fisher Space Pen in my other back pocket. So if I get an idea while I'm walking, I'll do that. Although, again, nine times out of ten, I don't. I don't. Uh, I will do a voice note sometimes to myself because it's much faster than pulling out the other stuff and actually writing. But that book is completely filled with notes for like when I'm on a long car ride or something. Uh, specifically, if we're going to talk about the specific pens and pads that I use, do most of my writing with, uh, again, if you're watching the video, the Pilot P500 Extra Fine, uh, I'm left-handed. And left-handed people, unless they are taught very specifically how to write correctly, will get ink all up on the side of their hand and smear their writing. In order to solve that, you can either learn to write correctly, or you can do what I did and get an extra fine gel pen because they dry instantly and they don't smear. Uh, to the same end, uh, uh, a spiral, a top-bound spiral pad will never, you'll never have to lean on the, the binding because the binding's at the top. So all of my notes are taken in top-bound spiral legal pads. Uh, I recommend them highly, and I have piles of them in the other room. That's um, a great idea because Nolan is left-handed. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm going to, no more notepads that are by, you know, bound on the side. <laughs> Yeah, they're good. They're, they're the yeah, top bound spiral pads, super useful. I love them a bunch. Um, all right. So most of my writing, like once I've gotten past the note taking stage and also I have, to, I've spoken about, um, whenever I get stuck, I'll occasionally write uh longhand for a little while. Once I got past that step, most of my writing these days is done in Scrivener. I use the windows version. So it's, you know, not as good as the, the, the Apple version, but, uh, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't need most of what Scrivener does. I, I use a fair amount of it, but I don't really need it. The only two things about Scrivener that I absolutely use are the session, uh, word count, because I have a terrible habit of not taking, like, I, you can obviously find out how many words you've written in a session by just taking note of how many words there are at the beginning and how many there are at the end. But that requires me to remember to check at the beginning. And I never do. So this is very, very useful for Scrivener. Plus, I also tend to move my scenes around. And, and if you write the scenes as separate scenes in Scrivener, then you can just drag and drop. And I find great usefulness in that. Once I'm actually done, though, I compile it into a docx and I do all of my formatting in, in Word. So I'm also a Word user. I use Word Office 365, which gives you a couple other options. But um, 
once I, I started self-publishing back in 2010, so my first introduction to getting things into, into EPUB was the meat grinder at, uh, at Smashwords. And the meat grinder was very, very selective about what kind of file you fed into it. So I got very good at producing very clean files and just, just with Word. I, by the way, also figured out how to do it with LibreOffice and OpenOffice, which are free because I am a cheapskate. Uh, you'll find that me being a cheapskate comes up a lot in this, in this episode. Um, once, so, so yeah, I'll get a really nice clean format in, in Word, and I will also usually be able to produce a, a PDF uh, for paperback using Word. Like I have it on my site, I can link to it. I suppose I have a checklist that I use. It's not very efficient because I wrote it as I was doing it, but I have a checklist where I can turn a uh, uh, the Word file into something that will process just fine in both uh, KDP print and Ingram. Uh, and other than that, when I do collaboration on a writing project, uh, I use Google Docs. It's also my standard note-taking software when I'm on the road because you can hook a Bluetooth keyboard up to your phone and get basically the full typing experience on a phone using Google Docs. So that's what I'm using. All right. I love that this is the um, tech and tools providers podcast and Joe starts out like, this is my pen. <laughs> it's right. the same pen I've been using for 40 years. Sure, I have 30 a years. box of them. <laughs> All right. Well, for myself, um, I'm a Scrivener fan. I'm actually usually pretty slow to adopt new things. Uh, this was a rare case of like the first time the software opened, I was like, oh, this is what I've been waiting for my whole writing life. Um, as soon as I saw all the scenes listed over to the side and all the character sheets and everything all in one file, I was sold on that. And I love that with Scrivener, you work on scenes rather than, uh, you know, I hated Word, honestly. I, I wrote a couple, first couple novels in Word. And the fact that you'd have over 100,000 thousand words in one document. It's probably different now. I don't know. I mean, it probably could be better if I experimented, but I love it because the scene is the basic unit, right? And you know, you see the word count at the bottom in Scrivener. So if I get like 4,000 words in a scene, I'm kind of like, mm. you know, this kind of informs me that the pacing is probably pretty lousy for this scene. And that's something I may work at. Uh, in the editing or just even as I'm writing, I'm like, okay, let me think about this. My, are they getting too wordy? Uh, maybe the pacing needs to be a little better. And as I said, I use the character sheets. I use all, you know, I use, put stuff in the research area, all my world building and outlines for each individual book. Um, every time I make a new installment in the series, I do do a new file, but I just copy everything over. So I have all that stuff. And it's really easy to just do a project search for something. Like I'm like, I remember I named a character. There was a priest somewhere in three books ago, there was a priest. And I just, okay, search for priest. And you know, it'll be in my character sheets or my story Bible or something. I, I do use Word for, um, that's what my editor uses. So at the end, everything gets compiled into a Word document. And I can actually see why Andrea likes that for dictating, because I imagine you're not really thinking so much in like, you're probably just taking three chapters that you just dictated and dumping them all in the file. Whereas if you had to then go into Scrivener and make scenes and everything, it wouldn't be as, um, like for me, as I'm working, it's really easy to make a new scene, title it. Uh, that's another thing I like is having the titles of the scenes. Cause it's like a reminder to me, like, okay, what happened in that scene? And I, I also put like with my big, uh, space opera series, I'm finishing up now. I am up to seven point of view characters. And, you know, I put like, oh, for Oku is one of the characters at the, you know, in the scene title and a C for Casimir so that I can see at a glance, kind of look at like, 
okay, has this character had enough scenes or do I need to build up that story a little bit more? Has it been six chapters since that character had a, a point of view scene of their own? So um, I, I, I found that helpful. Uh, Word also, I'm a Mac user and I've been one for like 15 years and Word has been buggy as heck the entire time. I keep getting, it gets a little better, a little less likely to crash with, <laughs> with the new updates, but oh my gosh, this is the only thing that's ever crashed on my Mac. It's less than used to. I will admit that it's less than it used to be. But um, I, I probably should do like Joe does and try some of the. I know there's it's an open office, and I've seen other things recommended that basically allow you to make docs and track changes and all the things you do without actually purchasing Word. Maybe they'd be better on the Mac. I don't know. Macs are special. PCs, were, I had you know, we're also special. We're all special in our own way. Um, so that is what I use for my writing software, and I also. I don't do pen and paper for anything anymore. I did for the first couple novels and I just found it was too slow, too much editing. Uh, when I was learning, or not learning, but earlier on where I was going a lot more editing, it was a way to kind of edit as I transfer, I would type the notes, you know, into the document. Uh, so it was kind of a way to edit and I actually liked it. I'm not saying like it's bad if you do that. I just found that with my production goals and schedule and how much I'm always, I love to finish things and start new things. It just slowed me down having to like transfer stuff into the computer, but I will use my notes app on my phone for brainstorming. I do this, um, to, like I've actually just finished like 105,000 words in two weeks. I've been like really getting back into it again, like because I knew I had this long novel to finish and a date with my editor coming up. Um, so what I'll do is like to make sure I can get a lot of words the next day, the night before I'll either like walk the dogs or even take a bath and you should not take your phone in the bath. So do not recommend, but I do it anyway. And I'm just kind of figuring out the scenes that I'll write the next day, the night before. So if I can get like the next three scenes or so, three or four scenes figured out, I can possibly have a really good day the next day. Cause I'm just sitting down and like, I've already played them in my mind and it's just a matter of getting them on the page. So notes app is possibly not any more high tech than a, like a notebook would work fine. But then if I got it in the, near the tub, you know, I'd be it, with ink. I like to write with ink too. And you're just screwed if you get pad of paper wet. So there you go. Yep, absolutely. I, I actually having having heard that two things uh, additional about Scrivener that are handy. You're talking about if your scene gets too long, you know, you have a pacing problem. Control K to make a new scene is a tool. Like I I, uh, I split scenes and in, and put little interstitial moments to to break it up, particularly during a climax. Uh, incredibly useful. And also when you're trying to keep track of different uh, points of view, uh, you can also color code. So I've done that too, where like red is this is this plot thread and blue is that one. And you can just sort of unfocus your eyes and see, now nah, there's been too much red in a row. I got to put a blue in there. So it's super duper handy. I have accidentally hit that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm like, what yeah. happened? Where did it go? <laughs> it's hard to undo. I think there is a shortcut to undo it too, but I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, all right. So the next step here, and uh, it's a pretty short one, I think, uh, keywords and search tools. Uh, in my case, and I've mentioned it a couple of times on the show, uh, I use Publisher Rocket formerly KDP Rocket. It's sort of my one-stop shop for when I need to know what other books are using to, to push themselves. So there's a super useful keyword tool. There's category tools. Uh, and they give you a lot of stats too. Like you can, you can see sort of, they'll crunch some numbers and give you a score on how valuable it is because based upon how many people have it versus how often it's searched for. They'll even like calculate a approximately how much money per month a book that has a given keyword has, how competitive it is. It's really useful if you're a numbers person. And if you're not a numbers person, it's really useful just for, you know, you enter in 
one word that you want to know, and it gives you dozens of similar words, and you can assess them. So yeah, for 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 that sort of thing, the only tool that I really use is uh, is Publisher Rocket. I think I jumped ahead of Andrea or maybe had my notes done first, but <laughs> um, I also use Publisher Rocket when I'm sitting there at the Amazon dashboard or, or the other sites and you've got your seven keyword fields to fill in. So um, I'll go look up stuff on Publisher Rocket just to see. I tend to, like Joe was saying, you can kind of skim down and see like which words are least are less competitive but still search for pretty often. And I'll throw those in there. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I wish Amazon would let us know like how many people purchased my book after looking up Dragon High Fantasy Series with Strong protagonist, Female Protagonist, you know, because I feel like I'm just throwing it in there and I really don't know if it helps. Uh, I don't tend to go search for my own books. Like, I think at one point I was in the top 10 for steampunk, like back in 2011 or something. And, I, and I'm not sure I was really convinced that did a whole lot for me, that a lot of people were using that to search for fiction. But, um, you know, we've, had Dave Chesson on or the old show or he's been on quite a bit and I'm always riveted listening to what he's talking about with the search results. I'm just, I'm not sure. I believe that it makes a big difference, but I do it just in case. Um, and you can also use Publisher Rocket to get ideas for Amazon keywords. Uh, I think that's a, another tab that he's got on there. So that's, and I think he's got some new stuff coming too. So he is always uh, refining it. I think it's like 97 or $99. Uh, and one other thing I use, I think I mentioned this on another show, so I'll just briefly say it's a, a Google Chrome plugin called AMZ Suggestion Expander. And it's when you're typing in the Amazon search field, it will usually Amazon gives you, I don't know, five or six suggestions based on what you start typing. This will pop up four columns of things. And it also will give you things that were before what you started typing in. Like if you type in games for kids, baby games for kids or, you know, like something like that. It will give you the things that before that, that you don't necessarily think of yourself, like prequels. <laughs> That's not the right word. Prefix, prefixes. Uh, Andrew, you're not the only one who, uh, the word is in the definition is in the brain, but the word is not. <laughs> we're, we're writers. We're not public speakers. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm so happy for editing. Um, but go ahead. And I think that's all I had to say on that. You can jump in. Okay. Um, and I also use Publisher Rocket. Look, we all do the same thing. <laughs> um, it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. It's, it's been really great. Um, I got it discounted through one, I think one of, um, either Mark Dawson's courses or something else. Can't remember where, but, um, I would have paid the full price for it at that time. I did not know much about it. I was like, Oh, that sounds like great. I should buy it. Cause I've got a discount. Look, it's a coupon. I'm going to buy it. Um, and honestly I would have bought it at full price. It is absolutely fantastic. And I love that it's a, just a one price thing. And when he does updates to it, he either lets you know what you need to do or it updates automatically. I know there was an update that just got rolled through recently. Um, I used to use something called Kindle Samurai. I think they stopped supporting their product because it stopped working. <laughs> um, but I loved them because you only had to hit analyze once. Like you put in your keyword and then you pick the ones you like and you click analyze or you didn't even have to pick the ones you like. You just click analyze and it would analyze everything and give you all of the results of everything. And it was the same results as publisher rocket, but in publisher rocket, you have to click like each individual keyword. Um, and so that's one, the one thing that I missed about Kindle samurai, uh, you know, just having it analyze everything automatically, but, um, it's not a huge deal with publisher rocket and publisher rocket works still, and they still support it. So I'm not going to complain. Um, and Joe, did you want me to hand it back to you? Or do you want me to continue? You can continue since you start out the next one. 
<laughs> okay. Um, so now we're going to talk about admin and time management type stuff. And I just have a small little input thing here. Um, my admin and time management is mostly surrounding my kids' schedule, but I have found that I waste a lot of time on my phone. I go through spurts where I just ignore it completely or where I'm using it way too much. And so my brother told me about an app called Quality Time, and it keeps track of where you're spending your time. And it's got all sorts of really awesome things that that help you focus. And so I recommend that. Um, I've, I've used, I'm not currently using it right now because right now I'm too panicked on a regular basis to be on my phone a lot as Lindsay and Joe can attest. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> anyway, I'm done. That's no problem. I also am often distracted, but I'm attract, uh, distracted by the Nintendo Switch, which is disturbingly right at arm's length from where I do my writing. So not the best idea. Uh, time management for me, I use a really simple program called Focus 10, which provides, it's just alternating timers. It's a long timer and a short timer back and forth. And then I think once it gets to four cycles, there's a very long, uh, short, the, the short timer is very long. Uh, but it's the Pomodoro method. Uh, Focus 10 is a Pomodoro timer. Uh, there's nothing special about the one I use. It was free and you could just type it into Windows and it installed itself. So search up for one uh, on your own. But basically, I just set how long I want to be writing. And then it sets off an alarm and it's like, you've been writing for whatever. I think I've been doing 25 minutes and then 50, no, 25 and 5 is what I've been doing. Uh, uh, you've been writing for 25 minutes, get up and do something else for five. And usually it'll be, you know, juggling or, uh, I got five pound weights to try to be more of a healthy person. And then as soon as that's over back to writing and it's one of those things that you're, it keeps, it keeps the ball rolling uh, a little bit and helps me be like, anybody can stay focused for 25 minutes, especially when there's a, t a clock telling you that you've only been focused for five minutes. So you're like, Oh, well, I guess I better stick to it. Um, for admin, it's been a while since I used it, but there is a piece of software called Trackerbox, which would take the uh, the the uh, revenue reports from all of the different places, and I mean all of the different places, and uh, just load them into a database, and then just give you all sorts of reports based upon that. And it was technically just a database, so you could enter in your own queries and get very specific special reports. Uh, nowadays, I don't use it so much anymore because I sometimes, if I need to distract myself, will go back to programming like I used to do for a living. So I now will just load my own files into my own database and do exactly what Trackerbox used to do. And if it doesn't do something that I want it to do, I can make it do that. So that's just a Python and SQLite thing. Uh, also, I should say, uh, in addition to the actual on-paper to-do lists, which I write out every day so that I can have the fun of crossing things out, I also have uh, spreadsheets that contain the longer-term goals. And occasionally, I'll even go so far as doing the Gantt charts, where I need to make sure this is going to stall that, so make sure this happens first and how long it takes. But I am not as dutiful at uh, actually opening up that file. It's funny. If it's physically on my desk, then I know I need to work on it. If it's on my desktop of my computer, I might not actually open it in any given day. Uh, so the spreadsheets have sort of fallen by the wayside for me. All right. I've got some super fancy tools here that I use for time management. My biggest one is to turn off the Wi-Fi on my laptop. <laughs> Going old school, but uh, it works. There's essentially nothing that interests me on my computer that doesn't involve being online. So when I turn off the Wi-Fi, I'm like, well, I'm going to write. That's just all. And I'll catch myself tabbing to like check Twitter. I'm like, oh, I, I can't. The Wi-Fi is off. And I don't know about you guys, but when the COVID thing started, I was like obsessed with how many, how many do we have in my state? How many are in my county right now? I need to know, guys, how many here in my county. 
And I'm um, sorry, I got a little excited there. But so it, it was, that was a really hard month. Now it's, we're what, four or five months into this. It's like, I still check, but it's a little less um, obsessive, I guess. But um, yeah, just turning off the Wi-Fi is a big help to me when I'm in that kind of zone where it's just a bit of a struggle to, to get rolling. Uh, I also... I would keep my phone on the charger in the kitchen during the day. I, I don't work in the kitchen with the sound off. That's obviously not going to work for somebody that's got like kids or somebody that has to be with their phone. But boy, it's so easy to just reach over if it's on the bedside table or a desk. I'm like, hmm, Wi-Fi is off, but I still have some reception. So I can check stuff on here. And oh, look, there's a text. So I, I, that just seems to be my personality. I, if there's a stimu- potential stimulus, I just have to remove it. And it's not like that every day. Um, I find that if I'm kind of stuck, it usually means it's less about the things around me that are distracting is that I don't really have the scene figured out that well in my head. Uh, like I was saying with the notepad app, uh, when I'm really doing well, I usually am figuring out the next few scenes the night before, but, um, I, I struggled towards the end of books. Often there's a lot going on the climax and uh, th- these are the hardest parts for me. For some reason, I'm happy with everything going for that. And then the last third is always just a slog and I have to find ways to make it fun for myself. Cause some, you know, I would say and when I read other people's books, the battles and things like that, are this is where I start skimming. So I'm like, I have to have enough dialogue in here to make it interesting. Still have some conflict between the characters that I find fun to write about. So this is kind of a weird time management tip, but you may also find that if you're going to other things, it's because the scene is not holding your interest and maybe you need to step away and think, okay, what do I need to do to this scene to make it more interesting for me to write? And when I'm really engaged and interested in the scenes, um, I find that I don't need to do the things like turning off the Wi-Fi or putting the phone in the other room. Uh, So that is, I guess I'll pass it back to Andrea for some other tools and Joe. Back to me and Joe. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about um, just other stuff, right? That's the whole point of this section. And Joe's got a whole ton, but <laughs> I'm actually excited. Yeah, I didn't label it. You guys could have labeled it more clearly if you want. But I think, I don't know if anybody talks about Canva and, and that kind of stuff in here. Um, no, I use, um, okay, so I know that just from glancing ahead, the others, they talk about what they use for formatting. I use Juto. Um, I used to use Caliber, but I switched to Juto. Um I don't remember why. Um, and I use InDesign if I'm going to be formatting and then I use Vellum if I, well, I use InDesign if it's going to be something that's more in depth because InDesign has so much creative power and control and Vellum is super, super limited. Um, so I did end up going and buying a Mac and I do use Vellum for my fiction, but like for my nonfiction, things like that, I just use InDesign and for picture books, things like that. Um, and then one of my biggest programs that I use all the time and it's just huge part of my editing process, huge part of my business is a program called natural reader. It's free. It allows you to copy and paste into it. So your manuscript, and then it reads it back to you. And I follow along in my manuscript. It's a great way to find errors because you hear them better than you see them sometimes. Um, a tip for those who might end up downloading it, it, like I said, it's free. Um, go a chapter at a time because sometimes it crashes. Actually, it crashes quite regularly. <laughs> so it's not fun to have to find where you were in your manuscript and open it up again. And so I usually copy and paste a chapter at a time. All right. That's useful. Uh, I, I, I really need to start having stuff read to me more often because it is amazing how much uh, more obvious a typo is when you hear it than when you see it. Um, 
But okay, so yeah, other. This entire podcast could have been called other because I have lots of things in my pipeline that don't need to be there, but may be of interest to you. Uh, we'll start. Uh, I am a Windows user, so I cannot use Vellum. Um, most much of what you're going to hear about is stuff that I do because I can't use Vellum. Uh, it's actually ironic because uh, we were among the first people to talk about Vellum, or we were early uh, mentioners of Vellum back on the old show. Uh, I encountered them at Book Expo America well, almost a decade ago, it's certainly eight or nine years ago. Uh, uh, and I didn't have Mac, but I mentioned it on the show. Uh, and now they're everywhere. So when I want to get fancy, when I do my books, uh, as I mentioned, I have the, the doc X that I produce uh, as part of my standard formatting. I will dump that into caliber. I do use caliber and, uh, it can take a doc X and turn it into a nice little EPUB. And once it's an EPUB, you can edit the EPUB. You can edit book. And when you do so, you can go straight down to bare HTML if you want. In fact, you sort of have to. And, uh, I've got to a point where it's just a couple of clicks that I can make it into the book that I want it to be, uh, get rid of some of the colored text, make sure that nothing's going to display weird on different display settings of a, of an, uh, e-reader. Uh, I go through and link the, uh, starting points and the table of contents and make sure there's an NX or an NCX table of contents and all that nonsense, all that stuff. I've gotten very good at using caliber for, um, and if I want to get really fancy and have like, if I, if I want an image to be formatted at a certain size, it'd be higher uh, resolution than anything else wants me to have. I can plop in replacements in that. So uh, when I get more complex with my, with my uh, uh, eBooks having pictures uh, in the future, and there's a few things I have in the future that's going to have some pretty intensive artwork, I will probably be getting down deep with caliber. Uh, also, if I want to get really fancy with print copies, I also have an ancient version of, uh, of InDesign. I think it's InDesign CS2, but it still works. Uh, I had started using a, a free alternative called Scribus, which can do everything that in InDesign can do except produce a PDF in the right format for Ingram Spark. So I stopped using it for that exact purpose and started using InDesign again. Uh, there are other alternatives I haven't messed with yet. I really want to get into messing with those because I don't want to pay the Adobe tax. Adobe can't purchase a copy of, of the new Adobe stuff. It has to be purchased uh, like the way I'm using uh, Office. It's a subscription these days. So I can find a single purchase thing that gives me the file types I need. I'm sure as heck going to tell you folks about it. But, uh, in addition to that, uh, I do a fair amount of my own art. Uh, Lindsay mentioned Canva. I don't use Canva. Uh, I use the GIMP, which is uh, the GNU image processor, which is the free version of Photoshop. Uh, it is much more user-friendly now than when I started. Uh, it can do everything that Photoshop can do if you are patient enough. And I've gotten pretty good at it. It's mostly useful for me because a lot of the times I will get, say, uh, a cover and with no intention of doing a paperback anytime soon. So rather than waste the time of uh, like saying to the guy, Hey, hold on to the, uh, the, the cover until I tell you the word count of my eventual paperback file. I'd be like, just give me the thing and I'll do a wrap around myself. And it doesn't take much expertise to be able to do that. Plus I use it to make all my ad graphics and stuff like that. So, you know, it, again, cheapskate, absolutely free works just well enough for me. It's got a super strong community too. If you really need to do fancy stuff and you dig around long enough, you can find people who have also had to do that. So if you're a power user, give it a try. Uh, when I'm doing logos, there's also a thing called Inkscape. Inkscape is a vector editor, so it's it's equivalent to uh, Adobe Illustrator. 
And it's good for logos because when you produce something in it, uh, you can scale it to any size and it doesn't lose any detail. The, the logo for this show was created uh, in part on Inkscape. Uh, if things get really repetitive, if I need to make a very, very similar piece of artwork over and over again, this is where we get into, again, I used to be a programmer. Uh, I will use Python combined with a thing called Image Magic, and just make a script that makes the art for me. So, for this show, I enter in the uh, the episode number and the title, and it produces the thumbnail that you see on YouTube every day, uh, every Thursday. So that's a thing that you can do if you're a programmer. Uh, I'm not going to share that script or any of the scripts that I've written because they're not written very well, <laughs> and I'm not going to inflict them upon you. And one final thing, we were talking a little bit earlier about keeping track of, of, of former, you know, of plot points and lore and stuff like that. There's a thing called uh, Zim Desktop Wiki, which is, as the name would suggest, a wiki that runs on your desktop. And so you can put together cross-linked lore files where you just literally type a description of a character. And then anytime you encounter another character needs to be described, you just make that a link into a new file. And uh, it's... A little bit more trouble to set up, but way easier to navigate. If you're the kind of person who typically spends a lot of time on Wikipedia, it navigates exactly the way Wikipedia does. So Zim Desktop Wiki for the people who are really interested in having a detailed lore Bible that you can share with people. And uh, I think that's enough. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it off for, uh, to Lindsay for her other stuff. When you said, I'm not going to share my scripts with you, I thought you were going to be like a chef. That's my secret recipe. You cannot have it. <laughs> so Joe makes popovers. All right. So um, I started out from the beginning just handing off my formatting to other people because I didn't want to do any of the stuff that Joe just talked about because <laughs> I'm not a tech person, not a programmer. Um, I enjoyed it more when I was younger, learning, teaching myself how to do things like I... I was uh, graduating from high school when the internet came to be a thing. And I remember teaching myself HTML and like notepad on my computer and I updating websites that way and, and learning how to make scripts to run my characters around on MUDs. But as I got older, I've gotten less patient and I'm just like, I'd rather be writing. So I tend to hand stuff off. Um, I do now though, I probably starting for the, about five years back, I, uh, I got Vellum because I do have the Mac. This is one, uh, one time when the Mac is advan an advantage. Um, and uh, it's great. It's like you draw, drag your word file and your cover art in and it makes the ebook and it's, it looks great. It's a professional ebook. So I do that and it does, you know, it does Moby and the ebubs and you can uh, throw in links and, and everything you need to do pretty much. Uh, so I use that and I'm also determined to with my next series, what I start, I'm going to try because Vellum, you can also get a, uh, it will do the paperbacks now too. And if it's just as easy as it is with the ebooks, I'm going to go forward with that, with that for the next series because this is one case where I've found that it's easier to do it myself because it's easier to update it whenever. Because now that I have like 80, 100, I don't know how many books I have out between me and my pen name, but a month does not go by when I don't get a notice from Amazon because somebody reported a typo, especially on my first like 25 books or so. I hadn't yet implemented a team of typo hunters that would get early copies and go through it before I publish it. So that first series, especially, it's still, there's still things coming up. I need to just find it team of typo hunters and, and reformat all that from scratch. But, uh, you know, those early books, I had other people format them. So I'd have to like, you know, I'd kind of make a list uh, of when typos were found and I'd have to send them the, you know, the document and they'd have to update it and I'd feel I have to pay them for their time. 
So I was quite delighted when vellum came along. And, and it, that's why I want to start doing my own interiors for the paperbacks, just because right now I'm like, if I have to email somebody else every time a typo is reported in a book that's five years old, and because that's what it usually is, the newer stuff's cleaner, but I, I have all these older books. And sometimes you guys know how it is. Sometimes they're not correct. There'll be like three things they somebody submitted that are not correct. And, but then there's one and you're like, oh, yes, how did that one get past everybody? I, I shared on Twitter yesterday, somebody reported the characters have, were having like salami crackers and goat geese instead of goat cheese. And I was like, how did that get by everybody, myself, my editor, my beta readers? This book has been out for like six years. And I, I don't know, I think some people admitted, oh, I just thought it's a fantasy world. So maybe that was a thing. But I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so that was a, a reason why I do all my own formatting now for the ebooks and why I hope to start doing it for the paperbacks too. Uh, as far as other tools, I sometimes get Alex Newton's Kalytics reports. If he has a new one that comes out in a genre where I'm like about to start writing in it, or I'm just interested in it. Um, Alex, if you happen to be listening, I doubt it an hour into the show, I'm going to need some space opera and epic, epic fantasy for 2021. Okay. Just, just letting you know. Um, so those are pretty inexpensive. I think it's maybe like $40 or something for the report. You can also subscribe to a service if you're like a publisher and you just want to know all the things and all the categories every month. Um, I, I don't necessarily need that. But um, for graphics, I, I kind of hate this stuff. So I haven't mastered any of these in the least. But I, I originally had Canva and now I've got Book Brush. Book brush for if I do need to make a little like you've seen them out there they'll take your book cover and give you like a thousand things somebody's reading your book on the beach and you know you can throw in some text so even for me who's horrible at anything graphical it's pretty easy to get a, something good enough to do for some bookbub ads or Facebook ads where you kind of need something graphical so um, I think that wraps it up for me as far as tools all right. And I've heard, I've heard good things about book brush. I've seen some really neat stuff that people made with it. And also, I guess, uh, something we should probably mention here, uh, is if you are not using book funnel, uh, book funnel is a profoundly useful tool as well. We've spoken about it much in the past. How did we forget book funnel? I know, right? <laughs> it goes under other, I guess. Well, we were going to do a separate mailing list episode since that's such a big topic too. That's true. Uh, so look for that in the future. Andrea, if you're listening to this in a month, take a note <laughs> that we need to do a mailing list episode. <laughs> um, and also, I mean, we didn't talk about any of the like reporting companies that do like royalties and things like that, like book report, book tracker, things like that. There's a it lot stopped. of projects and programs. <laughs> well, I had book report for a year and it was always really buggy for me. I didn't use it that often, but now that Amazon has their, what do they call it? Their beta oh, their reporting cells or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And it goes for the month. That's kind of replaced that for me. It doesn't, Amazon doesn't yet have that historically where you can go like a year ago and look at February last year, but hopefully they will eventually because yeah. book report is up to like $200 a year or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's 20 bucks like, a, a month. But <laughs> I don't I need that information. <laughs> I guess I'm not that obsessive. I mean, no, that's not true. I'm totally obsessive, especially around <laughs> a launch of a new series. But um, when I, in between those periods, I can't be looking at that stuff all the time or it makes me nuts. I have to like take big breaks from the ads, the marketing, and also obsessively checking how much money I'm making or not making as uh, you get farther from the releases. Um, does, does Amazon convert any, I mean, cause the, I mean, Amazon, I don't like having to convert, you know, can Canadian money and UK and all that. I mean, like book report just does all of that for me. So I don't have right. to think the new beta does, <laughs> but oh, it's does only, it? yeah, but it's only for like the month now and the previous month at this okay. time, as we're recording this, I suspect they'll 
get so, it more expanded. They're slowly expanded. figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, they're getting there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that's just about enough. Uh, unless somebody has any closing remarks. Right, I, I will. Uh, I can't promise I will get the links for everything we mentioned in the show notes, but I'll take a stab. If it's in our notes, we put together a document at a time and we're just kind of reading it off in places. Um, I will look it up and, and get the links. So that should be it. Sixfigureauthors.com. Mm, is this episode 47? 47, yes. Okay. So that's where <laughs> it will be. If, if something sounded interesting to you, but you can't quite remember where it is, check out the show notes and uh, it'll be there. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes, as Lindsay said, uh, or leave a comment or a question at sixfigureauthors.com with a number six. Bye, everyone. See y'all later. Couldn't find the unmute button. <laughs> I'm like hitting alt tab. So Hit control you. K to get a new scene. That'll be <laughs> <Yes>. confusing. <laughs> so long, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>